Hello, I'm Robert T. Smith, host of Support Your Local Podcast. I want to take a moment to remind you to hit that fast forward button. That is, unless you want to hear about something good being done. Anyone who knows me knows that I love bowling. In 2016, I founded the Smith Family Bowling Scholarship Foundation, intended to honor my father's hard work and dedication to community service and award scholarships to youth bowlers throughout the nation. To date, we've awarded well over $15,000 in scholarships. If you are a bowler, know a bowler, have ever seen a bowler, or heard about anyone who has ever seen a video of a bowler, I'd love for you to help promote the SFBSF and its mission. Please go to sfbsf.com and see what we're all about. While you're there, please consider hitting that donate button and helping us make a brighter future for our youth. Again, that's sfbsf.com. Thank you for your time. He suck his finger in the end of your what? Howdy, everyone. Pull up a chair, kick up your boots, and take a nice sip on a cold sasp... Sup, sas... Sasperin. What? Well, I would write it down, but I don't figure you could read it. Sony Pop. It's Support Your Local Podcast, the show where we take a look at the 1969 Western comedy classic, Support Your Local Sheriff, one chapter at a time. I'm Robert Smith, your host, coming to you from beautiful Tombstone. Yes, that one. Today we're going to take a look at Chapter 7, Prudy's Bad Day. Uh, given what we've already seen in the movie, I'm curious to see what could possibly else go wrong with poor Prudy. Where we left off, we now have a sheriff. So we have the titular sheriff in town. And he's already arrested Joe Danby for the murder we saw at the beginning. So uh, the movie should be wrapping up fairly soon. Uh, no no further things should come of that. Uh, just peace in the valley and the and calm and quiet from here on out. So uh, we'll see what else we have left. But before we jump into today's chapter, I do want to kind of give a a bit of a lay of the land for you. So you can kind of get a feel for not just the time frame that the movie is set in, uh, but also the time frame that the movie was released in. So uh, it's a little segment, if you haven't heard already, that I like to call, It Came in 69. That gun had gone off and it blowed right up in my face. Not, it wouldn't have done my finger a hell of a lot of good either, would it? In 1869, there is a patent filed for margarine in France. Fake butter. I can't believe it's not butter. The Innocence Abroad by Mark Twain goes on sale after printing by the American Publishing Company. It becomes Twain's best-selling work during his lifetime. The Irish Church Act of 1869 is given royal assent by Queen Victoria, disestablishing the Church of Ireland, effective January 1st, 1871. Following up on the royalty, let's skip ahead 100 years into 1969, where Prince Charles is invested with the title Prince of Wales in a televised ceremony. One of the founders of the Rolling Stones, Brian Jones, dies at 27 years of age. His body was found at the bottom of Cotchford Farm swimming pool. The Zodiac Killer in California shoots a waitress in Vallejo. Uh, the shot is fatal, adding the woman to the list of victims of the unknown notorious murderer. Less than a month after President Nixon implements the removal of U.S. troops in Vietnam, 
The first U.S. troops leave South Vietnam in Saigon. The final approval to make the French language equal to English throughout the national government is given to the Canadian House of Commons. David Bowie, music phenomenon and icon, releases his single Space Oddity. This is a groundbreaking hit supposedly released in conjunction with the moon landing. The new left and extremist movements from the FBI surfaced revealing Reagan's plans to destruct the disruption on California's campuses through psychological warfare. This is, of course, Governor Reagan, who had become president, but was just governor of California at the time. And Chappaquiddick, a car driven by Ted Kennedy, plunges off a bridge, leading to the death of the passenger, Mary Jo Coppinch. Uh, Kennedy does survive. As we spoke earlier on the David Bowie being in, in conjunction with the moon landing, Neil Armstrong becomes the first man to walk on the moon. Shout out to Wapakoneta, Ohio, just 10 miles down the road from where I grew up, uh, birthplace of the, the first man on the moon. And finally, the halfpenny ceases to be legal tender in the United Kingdom. I don't know if this was a top secret covert operation or a, a diabolical plan by Prince Charles now that he has his Prince of Wales title, but uh, the halfpenny, no longer legal tender in Britain. And with that, we come to a close of It Came in 69. Wow! We begin our chapter with Prudy working in the kitchen and presumably for supper. Every time I, I see this scene, I wonder why she would be wearing that type of a top to make supper in. Um, for those that aren't watching Lawn, which you should be, the movie is free on YouTube. It's free on Pluto. Please, please, please watch Lawn with us so you kind of get a feel for what's going on. Uh, but she's wearing this kind of lacy, uh, I don't know my, my fabrics, but uh, chiffon comes to mind. I think it's chiffon. I have no idea if it's chiffon. Um, but it's just this lacy top with a, a dress bottom and, and it, it's full, uh, like full. I mean, she's named Prudy, but it's very, uh, I, it's something I would think of as being very prudish. Uh, it goes all the way up to her neck and then it has long sleeves all the way to her wrist. Um, so just not something necessarily that I would think about uh, going in the kitchen and cooking with, especially something as messy as she's making. Uh, you know, maybe now that she's the, the, the richest person in the county, as we'll find, uh, maybe she just doesn't care. This is just a, a, a disposable shirt. So um, kind of in a, a uh, forget your couch uh, method of, of the Chappelle show, she just puts on a shirt and destroys it and uh, just says, forget it. I'll just buy another one. Uh, but anyways, it just seems like it would be so easy to get messy and destroy it. We, we cut to the dining room where the mayor's offering a drink to the sheriff. And this time the sheriff is taking a, a, a true drink, not just water. And the, the uh, excuse me, the mayor asks if the sheriff has any convictions against drinking because prior in the movie he had asked for water. And it, it's a, it's a weird question because he's literally drinking or excuse me, he's literally pouring a liquor drink to the sheriff. So if he had any convictions against drinking, uh, may have been a question before he was starting to pour. Just to throw it out there. The the sheriff makes the joke that he doesn't have any convictions against drinking ever since he gave up his parish. And this takes the mayor off guard. Uh, you can see kind of a look of, of hesitation and shock on the mayor's face. And 
It's a great little bit because I believe it's the first time that somebody was completely straight faced and said something funny outside of the mayor, Ollie Perkins, played by Harry Morgan, um, being the one to do it. So that's something that's really kind of reserved for that character throughout this movie. And as the mayor takes pause to find out whether the, the sheriff was being serious, uh, let's also take a pause to get to know the man behind the mayor, Ollie Perkins, Mr. Harry Morgan, great character actor, in a segment that I call Remember the Name. That's about all I'm going to do the rest of my life is go around remembering your name. And welcome once again to Remember the Name, the segment where we take a little bit of a deeper dive, taking a look at one of our character actors in our movie. Today we're going to look at Mr. Harry Morgan, born April 15th, 1915. Uh, we lost him December 7th of 2011, so a nice long life. Uh, Harry Morgan, probably most famously known for two different characters. Um, for those of the older generation, uh, he was Officer Bill Gannon in the TV show Dragnet, along with Jack Webb. Uh, that ran from 1967 to 1970. That's where I know him from. That's where I was introduced to Harry Morgan. It wasn't this movie. It wasn't any of his other roles. I remember watching Nick at Night, and specifically, I, I didn't really watch Dragnet per se, but I knew every year at New Year's Eve, Nick at Night would do a top 100 or top 50 TV shows of all time. And one of them in the top 10 uh, pretty routinely was the episode of Dragnet that really was a, a public service announcement, for, for lack of a better term, in regards to drugs. Uh, and I remember it's the one where the kid uh, gets high and paints his face uh, half blue and thinks that he's a tree. And I remember being, you know, six, seven years old. I didn't really know what drugs were, but I knew that I was never going to do them if it made me act like Tree Boy. Uh, so it, for what it was, it was an effective PSA. Um, I'm not sure how well it, it, it ages having to go look back at it, but uh, I, I distinctly remember that to this day, that episode always showing up on the New Year's Eve countdown. Uh, and that's where I knew Harry Morgan from. I knew him as this very dry, straight-faced character that was what he was supposed to be on Dragnet. If anybody's ever seen episodes of that show, that was who that character was supposed to be, and he did it very, very well. People that maybe are a little bit older or a little bit younger than that uh, may also remember him as uh, Colonel Sherman T. Potter from the show M.A.S.H., uh, that ran from 1975 to 1983. Obviously, MASH was a huge TV series in the in the 70s and early 80s. Um, I'm not sure if it still stands this day, but I always hear the record of uh, the finale of MASH being the most watched episode in history. And this is before DVR. This is before replays. Uh, more people tuned in to see the finale of MASH than anybody had ever done in the history of television. And he was a part of that. He was a, a pivotal character. Again, I have I don't think, you know, in full disclosure, I have never watched a episode of MASH. I've never seen the movie, as big a movie buff as I am. I've never watched a TV show. It just wasn't my bag. Uh, but people of that generation, that was huge. That was, that was their kind of outlet 
uh, to get out some of the frustration and have some comedy leaning uh, in regards to what they were going through uh, post the, the Vietnam War. I know that MASH is, is actually about Korea, but things were a little bit fresh. You couldn't exactly make a show about Vietnam and, and make it a, a comedy during that time. But ratings were a 60.3 rating, and that is just insane when you take a look at ratings today granted there are you know far more channels and a lot more content content to watch but to put in the perspective that out of every 100 tvs 60 of them were tuned in watching the mash finale that is just insane um those are the two roles that mr morgan is most famous for uh he was in a ton of things he is a, a character actor through and through been in more than a hundred films before getting this role in support your local sheriff he was no stranger to the western genre as many of our character actors in this movie are obviously westerns were such a huge part of television and films during this era he has a role in the movie high noon he played uh ulysses s grant and how the west was won in 1962 on the TV side, he's been in Gunsmoke, Kentucky Jones. Uh, in 1980, he did win an Emmy for his role in as uh, Colonel Potter in MASH. Um, yeah, it, it, just his delivery and comedic timing ring true in this movie and in the future as we get to uh, support your local gunfighter um you'll see it continue there for that but uh yeah harry morgan was already famous as officer bill gannon when he got to this movie again dragnet ran from 1967 to 1970 so he is just winding up dragnet when this movie comes out uh so that's where people would know him from the comedic timing was not something that he was quite known for at that point uh that's something that would come a little bit later as he started on mash um, but yes, that's a, a little look at uh, one of our main actors, the, the mayor of the town here in Support Your Local Sheriff, uh, Mr. Harry Morgan. And this has been Remember the Name. You tell him I remember his name. And we're back. So the mayor sits down and he agrees to let Jake be the deputy. And the two of them discuss the needs for a judge in the town. Apparently there wasn't one prior to that. Uh, there wasn't a need for one, obviously. We cut back to Prudy putting some biscuits in the oven, and we hear some food frying on the top of the stove. She takes a glance out the dining room door, and she's seen admiring the sheriff. And whoop, whoop, whoop! That leads to our, our trope alert for the episode. So far, and spoiler throughout the rest of the movie, um, Prudy is the only female actress, uh, kind of role in this movie. You know, we had Miss Danvers, uh, for a brief moment, uh, last, last episode. Um, but Prudy is really the only female actress in this movie. And so of course she's going to fall for the lead, uh, in the Westerns, for whatever reason, you have to be able to ride off into the sunset, uh, with your, your, your female leads and, and they live happily ever after. It's just a trope that goes throughout the westerns there's always you know the angie dickinson's of rio bravo that's it's just something that always happens it's definitely not just a western trope but a trope of movies of that uh, that time frame uh throughout the the music does swell along with this 
And it's to make us lead us to believe that she is starting to develop feelings for the sheriff. She, for whatever reason, wipes her hands on her cheeks. Uh, unfortunately, they were covered in flour. So now she has these long flower streaks along her cheeks. And it gives her the, the, um, the look of what, what it brings to mind for me is every time I see this, it reminds me of the commercials back in the 90s. Uh, perhaps you'll remember them along with me. I believe it was for Rice Krispie Treats, but it was of the mom sitting in the kitchen, not doing anything, hanging out, snacking. And then when she hears the family coming in, hurrying up and throwing flour on her face, and she dips her hand in the fishbowl and splashes some water on her face to and kind of dishevels her hair just to make it look like she had been slaving in the kitchen all day. And then she pulls out a tray of, I, I'm almost certain it was Rice Krispie Treats, but she takes these out and then goes through the kitchen door into the dining room and you hear the family praising her. Oh, hey, you made them, blah, blah, blah. It's just a, one of those commercials that sticks out. And every time that I see Prudy's face after wiping the flour on, um, I can't help but re be reminded of that. With a little bit of liquor to loosen his lips, the mayor goes on a rant about how he's not looking forward to the good old days of the wild, wild west and the frontier going away. Um, as you all know, once law and order is established, the next thing that comes in is the church. Uh, the sheriff agrees that that's usually the order of things. Um, you know, that's how it happens even in today's day and age. Uh, you got to watch out for that pesky church, I tell you. But uh, then comes the church bazaars, and then the women start uh, forming committees and running off the, the uh, ladies of Madame Orr's house. And maybe some of those ladies will even go and get married off, or as the mayor says, even worse. And it makes me wonder what exactly is even worse, question mark? You know, Maybe they have a really good life at Madame Moore's. It seems like everybody's having a fun time there, whatever whatever may be going on there. Um, maybe some of them will have a good time being married off. Um, some of them will depart, like uh, Mrs. Perkins did with Ollie. We'll see. We get a good bit of acting in regards to the mayor in this chapter. Um, Harry Morgan, as we said in our, our Remember the Name segment, is just a, a real gem. Uh, and, and I love watching his facial reactions and just the, the way he talks out of both sides of his mouth in regards to most things. Prudy proceeds to remove some type of meat. Uh, it looks like maybe pork chops from the stove and is putting them on a plate when she backs her dress too close to the stove. And we see the bustle start to catch fire down at the bottom. And though this is obviously done for comedic effect, I have to question the fact that she can't feel fire literally on her butt. Uh, by the time the fire gets going, you can see it flaming all the way up around her waist. So it's not a matter of it being a big poofy dress with, you know, plenty of room separating herself from the fire. This is a, forgive me for, for being indiscreet if I'm saying this, um, this is a relatively form-fitting dress and one that you can see the fire literally touching her. So the fact that she can't feel fire there doesn't necessarily bode well uh, for any future husband. Just 
saying what I'm saying, and I'll, I'll just leave that there for, for whatever you want to read into. She carries the food into the dining room, and the sheriff immediately sees that her backside is in flames. And so he naturally grabs a jug of water off the stand and starts dousing her down with it. And Prudy, you see, begins to get offended by it. The mayor jumps up and he grabs Prudy because he knows that she's probably going to haul off and hit the sheriff, knowing her temperament. And just, I mean, we know that just from what we've seen with the, the muddy town brawl and, and, and things elsewise. And the mayor tries to get her attention to what's going on by screaming, Prudy, you're on fire. And this is the only time that she actually realizes what was going on. She asks the mayor, what do you mean I was on fire? And she turns her back to the camera and we see the damage the fire did to the dress and her undergarments. But Prudy doesn't actually ever look back there. She turns back around and rants about having the worst luck that day. However, I wonder what exactly she was doing turning around because the mayor already knew she was on fire. The sheriff already knew she was on fire. And she was supposedly looking to verify for herself that she was on fire. But if you look, she never actually looks at the damage before turning back around. It's literally her turning to the camera just for us, the audience, to see what's what's going on. If you pause it at the right moment, roughly about three minutes and 28 seconds into the chapter, uh, keep a look on Harry Morgan during this time. Because as she's going off, you can see that he thinks that his face is obscured enough that you can't see him, but we can. And we catch him smiling and cracking up just a little bit. It's a nice little touch um, that if you're, you're focused on Prudy as you're supposed to be, you won't notice. But looking in the background, I, I notice him starting to crack up a little bit. And this is a, a nice break of character. Uh, especially coming from Harry Morgan, who is just so awesome, so excellent at playing the straight-faced character. Uh, to see him crack up a little bit, was it got me to laugh just a little bit. Uh, as Pretty Storm's off, the, the mayor defends her a bit, saying that she had been through a lot in life, uh, both getting rich quickly overnight, and then puberty hit her very hard. Uh, the sheriff was not aware that puberty uh, could do that to you. And the mayor almost screams at the sheriff that it can. And I found that very interesting that um, the mayor would have that type of anger in the situation, uh, mainly to, to aim it at the sheriff because of how we saw his attitude change once he saw what a gunsmith the, the sheriff was, um, but also just with the character in general. Uh, it makes you wonder just how hard did uh, puberty not only hit Prudy, um, but the mayor having to raise a daughter uh, during that time frame, and and whether or not because we see at the at the time of the funeral at the beginning of the movie, uh, it's to uh, we're under the assumption that Mrs. Perkins had already departed again, not died, just departed. So when exactly did that take place? You know, did did Prudy have to go through these changes in life with? just the mayor to kind of help guide her through that and uh, the difficult situations that I'm sure that that led to. The mayor gauges the sheriff's interest in his daughter 
And he reminds him that she is the richest girl in the area. And she is the sole owner of the Millard Frymore Memorial Mining Company. And if you remember back to the beginning of this movie, Millard Frymore was the corpse that they were carrying out to the funeral and the grave that they found the gold in. So it was a nice touch to know that, you know, poor Millard or whatever his name was, that they they honored him by naming the mining company after him. Um, in today's day and age, I look at and wonder, you know, if Millard Frymore did have a family, uh, if they would be able to now stake claim to uh, the Perkins's riches and royalties because the, the mining company was named after him. But 1869, it was a little bit different. The mayor picks up one of the pieces of meat and he says, well, maybe I can fry us up something to eat. Uh, this is interesting because though Prudy was on fire, she didn't really burn the food that we know of. As far as we know, she had cooked it normally and she was just carrying it out to the table. It didn't appear to get the water splattered on it. Uh, not that I, I necessarily think that would have ruined anything, um, but it, so le it leads to the question whether Prudy is actually as good a cook as the mayor made the sheriff believe that she was when, when he was selling on him, uh, living with them. Uh, but also, if you notice, she had put a batch of biscuits in the oven prior to going to the stove and getting the pork chops or whatever the, the meat was ready to take out to the dining room. So since Prudy stormed off to her room and the two men are still there in the dining room, the biscuits are being unattended. So I'm left to wonder if they are currently burning inside the stove or if anyone is going to take care of them. Otherwise, they weren't coming out in time for the dinner uh, that she was preparing. So were these dessert biscuits? Was it something that wasn't meant to be had with the meal? I'm, I'm just confused. We end the scene with the sheriff leaving for the night to relieve Jake of his duty for the shift. And he walks out to take a glance up the stairs and he mutters the word puberty. It's just a nice little touch. It's a little joke. I crack every time I hear it. Harry Morgan is seen scratching his head and he's turning back towards the dining room, hopefully to take care of the biscuits. Um, but I, Or maybe he's just wondering to himself what that burning smell was. Was it prudy uh, or was it the biscuits? And uh, we end our chapter with that. We will return next week with chapter eight. Uh, until then, please, 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 if you have not, please check us out on our social media platforms. Uh, we are at Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, at Support Your Local Podcast. You can find this podcast on any of your favorite podcatchers. Uh, we're on Spotify, Anchor, Overcast, Google, Apple, you name it, you can find us there. Don't want to search for us, that's fine. Uh, just go to supportyourlocalpodcast.com. It'll take you directly to our episodes. Uh, that's where you also find any upcoming bonus content, uh, any updates that may happen. Uh, definitely on our social media. Look forward here soon uh, for some announcements on what we're going to be doing here in the future. Uh, until then, please take the time to like and subscribe to us. Uh, rate and review us as well. Uh, that helps us immensely get it moved up in the rankings. Uh, I am so excited to see uh, this little podcast that could grow and grow and grow each week. Uh, I'm so thankful for everybody that is listening to us and letting their friends know about us. 
we are, as of this week, we are officially uploaded and present on moviesbyminutes.com. I was so excited to get that announcement and and see that on Facebook. Uh, So if you go there, you will find us. um, You will also find upwards of another 213, 214 other movies and other podcasts uh, where their hosts have gone through their movies either chapter by chapter like we do or predominantly minute by minute. So if you like this, if you like this format, uh, even if you don't like this and you don't like this format, uh, there may be bigger, better things. There may be similar things uh, that you'll find on moviesbyminutes.com. So check that out. See if your favorite movie has been uh, taken and uh, reviewed. Make sure you subscribe to them. Check those out. Uh, in the meantime, uh, I'm going to try to start to do a recommendation every week. So something that I personally listen to uh, that I would like other people to check out. I just, as those of you that listened last week, I just got back from Vegas with the the National Bowling Tournament, the USBC Open. And while I was there, I was bowling with my, my beloved Wolber family from back home in Ohio. And I got to talking with Jay, my good buddy Jay. Uh, shout out to Jay if he's listening. And I found out that he found out that I was doing a podcast, which he wasn't aware of. And I found out that he's doing a podcast that he that I wasn't aware of. So it was a cool little moment to uh, catch up with everybody and to find out, uh, hey, we're, we're doing similar things. So I want to give a shout out to Cryptids of the Corn. Uh, if you are into um, conspiracy theories, if you are into the paranormal, if you're into things like Bigfoot, um, anything like that, any type of local history of hauntings or monsters, things like that, this, ladies and gentlemen, is the podcast that you want to check out. It is Cryptids of the Corn. I can't recommend it highly enough. Jay and his friends are doing a great job in doing that. Since finding that out, I've, I've checked out about five or six episodes whenever I can. Uh, definitely give them a listen. Give them a holler. Tell them that Robert sent you. But uh, that will be my recommendation for the week. But until then, please, please, please keep checking us out. Uh, keep staying in there, giving us a listen. If you haven't already, check out the movie. Support your local sheriff. Uh, support your local gunfighter is also available wherever you find this. But uh, it is available now free on YouTube. It is currently, as of this recording, free on Pluto TV. No excuse not to go check it out. Uh, my good friend, Harry Reid. Shout out to Harry if you're listening. Uh, he finally bit the bullet and watched the movie for me uh, just to say that he did. And I appreciate that. But he'll tell you. It's uh, it's worth a, it's worth a watch. It's not everybody's cup of tea. It is a old movie. It is an old western. It is a kind of corny uh, comedy, but it is worth a, a watch. So uh, you'll get to see what we're going over chapter by chapter by going along with us. So check out the movie. But until then, I appreciate your time. Thank you for your time, and as always, support your local podcast. He stuck his finger in the end of your what?